Hello everyone, and welcome to So What Happens Next, Small Screens. I am one of your hosts, Thomas. I'm Amber. I'm Cayman. And I'm Allie. And this week, we are wrapping up our Just Too Damn Cold January Marathon with none other than the Stephen King Stanley Kubrick classic, The Shining. I think it's fitting that we're recording this last episode on a day where we got way too much damn snow. Um, yeah, you're right. Jesus Christ, everything got covered last night, so that was a mm. thing to wake up to. Uh, joining us for this episode is uh, returning guests, of course, uh, Allie, who's been with us pretty much the whole ride for this month, <laughs> yeah. um, actually. Yeah. So thank you for coming back on. And Cayman, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I have a second microphone now. Yeah, so they can both join the show instead of just one of them. But we are here today to talk The Shining classic film. I believe it's from 1980. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Originally a book by Stephen King. Uh, Very different book is my understanding. I've personally never read it. But it's a film by... Again, we're revisiting him, Stanley Kubrick. One, our f- like first episode ever was on one of his movies, uh, so you know, it's always cool to see uh, Stan the Man here back on the show. So let's talk The Shining. Amber, starting with you, first impressions of this movie before we kind of take the dive in. What are your thoughts on The Shining? Yeah, this movie I didn't see until I feel like more recently when I met you and you were just like, oh, have you seen The Shining? And I was like, no, I have no idea what that is. Honestly, I hadn't even seen any Stanley Kubrick movies at that point. And after watching this, I was immediately like, oh, I really like this a lot. I like it a lot. And I think it was, like, one of the first Jack Nicholson movies I've ever seen. And obviously, he's, like, pretty phenomenal in it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this movie is just, like, it's, like, like um, the previous movies that we watched, The Thing, I think it's definitely, like, a cult classic in, like, in the top tier of, like, horror movies. Oh, yeah. I think this movie is a very interesting horror movie because it doesn't, it takes its time before you realize you're just that into it. It's a yeah. very slow burn, I think, and it it is like the definition of how to do a slow burn, in my opinion. Like, it does it really well, and it definitely catches you, and, and you suddenly you find yourself very, like, into it. It's intense, so. But, moving on, Cayman, uh, uh, this is a movie you've seen. <laughs> yes, I have. I've seen this movie a few times. <laughs> um, uh, this is uh, yeah, what are you thinking of it? 
Yeah, this was one of the first horror movies I ever watched, um, and it's it's still one of my favorites. I think uh, I think Amber hit the nail on the head with it, um, or I guess that was you with it. It's just like s- slow burn done to an absolute perfection, and it embodies like a lot of my favorite things in horror. Um, like yeah, I, I see why it's a cult classic. I love how it's like so centered on. I don't know the evil of the hotel, but like like the evil in you or in in, in a you know Jack Nicholson's character. Um, but I think it's great. This is easily one of my favorite horror movies, and yeah, I thought the acting and the cinematography and the atmosphere and just everything was so very good. Oh yeah, I mean Shelley Duvall, Jack Nicholson, and I don't remember the kid's name, but I'm pretty sure the only thing he's ever done is this. So. <laughs> I think the kid knew when to get out when he was on top. Also, Scatman Crothers. Gotta say it, because I love his character. Yeah. And just that name. That name. <laughs> what a name. I'm a Scatman! Uh, Allie, so you were saying before we really kicked it off here that you are like you love this movie. So what are your thoughts going into it before we take a deep dive? I'm so stoked about this movie. Um, you guys, Amber and Cayman, both mentioned you think it's a cult classic, but... I disagree. It's just a classic. Like <laughs> this this movie is legendary like in the in the sense that it's incredibly famous and well known. Like even if you're not a horror fan, it's almost impossible to avoid like a reference to this in pop culture. For and sure. it, there's also so much like people love to take this movie and be like, "Oh, it's actually about this." Like look at like look for all these little tiny clues and like you'll find yeah. this the secret meaning and like I think that's kind of funny but yeah this yeah. Uh, legendary is how I describe this movie oh damn legendary okay so <laughs> we're we're gonna have maybe some spicy takes here by the end but let's see let's see what happens uh, I agree I think really with everything everyone said I think to me this movie hits like the thing I mean I think to me the thing is legendary and I think this is up there in that stratosphere with that film as far as like horror is concerned because, Ali, I think you're right. I mean, shit down to the, like, custom-made, hand-knit Apollo 11 sweater that uh, the kid wears in this movie. I've seen that, like, people wearing that in other movies. And it's like, that's there's no context. It's just all... I'm like, that's really familiar and weird-looking. And then I go look it up, and it's like, oh, shit. It's just, like, the kid's sweater from this film. There's no context. It's just, there it is. He doesn't... It's like the sweater does anything. Um, so a lot of the, just like a lot of crazy shit there. And of course, like the iconic, uh, rug and all that, or the carpeting in the, in the hallways and stuff like that. But let's get into it. Shall we? Amber, can you please tell me what this movie's about? Yeah. So this movie, um, kind of starts off with Jack Nicholson's character, uh, Jack Torrance, who it has, I guess, already applied for this caretaker position, at this really fancy lodge um and he arrives at the uh lodge um for an interview with the hotel manager i assume and they're basically just talking about like oh this is you know what the job um requires and how it's going to be basically um for a couple of months and this is like the off season Mm -hmm. so they're basically have already had a bunch of people come and like stay at the lodge and everything and now they're kind of like closing everything down yeah and i like this beginning like first i mean we kind of had a laugh we watched this movie the other night 
as a refresher and like we kind of had a laugh because like the opening credits are so cheesy looking yeah. like there is no flare <laughs> at all and i guess maybe it's because it just they want you to just be looking at the the landscape shots like mm-hmm. this it's this long helicopter sequence of this car just driving to really give you that sense of isolation out in the middle of nowhere and so but the the credits are just like blue shiny blue letters just on a screen like there's nothing there's no like flair it's just like written in like aerial bold font there's nothing aesthetically wowing about it in any way you know this is coming out after like stuff like star wars and things like that did where it's just like oh look at this opening crawl and all this. <laughs> it's like this is just like yeah here you go it's by stanley kubrick it's by produced by stanley kubrick yeah. uh, it's called the shining anyway on with the show and <laughs> i like this because the again we got we got kubrick's tracking whole tracking shot stuff through this whole film it's beautiful i love it and that's kind of how we start is jack walking through the hotel lobby you know he asks where the where the the managers and stuff but this movie does a great job i think setting up it takes two sequences for this movie to set up all the exposition you will need for the like the rest of the what two two and a half hours however long this film is this shot where they say like they hit all the points they're like all right you'll be up here you'll be by yourself uh we don't really need you to do anything too labor intensive jack's a writer he wants to write a book he wants something secluded to write a book in dope neato uh by the way the last caretaker like slaughtered his family and uh killed himself uh you cool with that? And Jack is like, well, yes, I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, a little bit of a exposition and perhaps foreshadowing there for uh, where this movie is going to go. But uh, yeah, then we're introduced to uh, uh, Shelley Duvall and Child, which is where I think if there's a if there's any kind of like flaw point in the movie. It's sort of this whole really long, like this seizure sequence, and all of this. Like we're with, we're with the kid for a while, um, but we do establish that the kid's a bit quirky for you, My Hero Academia fans out there. Um, <laughs> Go beyond. Shelley Duvall, who plays uh, Wendy, uh, and her son, Danny. And you also meet Tony, which is, I guess, Danny's alter ego, who uh, the child that lives in Danny's mouth, which is a little strange. But, Amber, can you take us through the quick, quick sequence in Boulder, Colorado, or the not-so-quick sequence in Boulder, Colorado, where we meet Doc and Mom? Yeah, <laughs> so this scene is, like, really great because... It shows how quirky, I guess, Danny is. And he's like staring into the mirror and he's talking to Tony. Yeah. And he's like, and Tony tells him that, hey, your dad just like got the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has that like premonition right. of like basically everything that's supposed to happen at the hotel. And he kind of also has it, it's kind of seizure like. And so his mom, she gets worried and she calls over a doctor. Mm-hmm. And this part was also, like, really uncomfortable because this is where she also talks about, like, Jack has, like, a drinking problem yep. and how he dislocated his son's arm, um, like, one day. Yeah, just and as he was how drunk. she's, yeah. you know, she's like, he hasn't drank since and 
basically like if he does it again like I'm leaving him and just kind of seeing like the instability of like the relationship Mm -hmm. um, just kind of like sets the tone obviously like for the rest of the movie no I uh, yeah like it really shows that Jack isn't the perfect dad ever but she does go on to say like he's never touched a drop since like he swore it it off and and he hasn't you know like he hasn't drank at all which good job Jack yeah but that that doctor's face was like the doctor's (laughs) face in that scene I hate to say it because it made that almost comical because she's like telling a story and and Shelley Duvall is just like oh yeah like you know he was messing with his school papers and and he just grabbed him by the arm and well you know how people are like they use a little bit too much strength and kids are fragile and yanked the kid and just popped his arm out of its socket and the 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 doctor's just like what the fuck is wrong with this fan like the look on her face is like it it, it the it's not funny like domestic no. abuse is not funny <laughs> but like the beat that the camera lands on is this unblinking doctor just staring in disbelief at at Wendy here and i'm just like are you going to say like this isn't okay and then she's just like Okay, well, uh, just keep an eye on your kid. Seizures happen, no big deal. And, like, on with the show, right? And we get introduced that they call him Doc after, like, the Bugs Bunny cartoons. And just that Tony, the child, the alter ego of Danny here, is very normalized in in the Torrance household. Uh, They all just kind of think Tony is Danny's imaginary friend. Which, I don't know about anyone else in this room... But I've never seen a child that had an imaginary friend that talked through the child. That is creepy as fuck to me. Yeah. Jesus Christ, how horrifying. So anyway, we're kind of introduced to a whole sequence of them driving up to uh, the Overlook Hotel in the next bit. Jack goes, obviously, at some point went back home, picked them up, and they moved. They're moving to the Overlook uh, for the time, oh, six months or something like that. Uh, we get, like, a brief chat about cannibalism, and I don't know about you guys, but, like, Jack Torrance seems like he's not an okay guy, even before all the shit that happens here. Because, like, on the drive up, they're talking about the Donner party, and, like, Mm -hmm. somebody, Danny asks, like, who the Donner party is. And then they say that they're a bunch of cannibals, like family of cannibals who who were on the Oregon Trail and and ate each other. And that's not entirely what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, they didn't just decide like, hey, let's just kill each other, each other. But there's obviously more to the Donner party. But they basically say there there were families on the Oregon Trail. They got hungry. They ate each other. It's just of what he kind of goes with. And Danny knows what a cannibal is because he saw it on TV. And Jack's like, you hear that? He saw it on TV. Like, like he's already fed up the fuck, I feel like. Like, the way he delivers it is just like, I'm so fucking fed up with his family. Like, thank God we're going to, I don't know, isolated middle of nowhere. And I'm like, this is just a, just as, this is a recipe for disaster before yeah. this even happens. Like, like it's very tense, I feel like. Um, very tense. Yeah. yeah. They do a really good job of, like, just subtly like between Jack Nicholson's acting and um like the information they give us with like oh he is an alcoholic and he hurt Danny this one time like they set up such a subtle like oh this is 
a really bad situation, he kind of already wants to hurt his family. Right. He's he's kind of on this like hair trigger, I feel like. Like yeah. you know, and obviously later when we get to the drinking and stuff, it's kinda of like that one drink is just gonna do him in, you know, and like or that one bad day kind of type situation. But yeah, so we get up to the hotel and that's where we meet Scatman Crothers <laughs> and ever the other people. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they give them kind of a tour of the hotel, and we get to actually, we the viewers now get to kind of see it. So you got this hedge maze, you got uh, all kinds of shit. I mean, mostly we show the hedge maze, we're showing these great tracking shots of like their great, oh, I want to call it like a great hall, but it's like this, this like sort of, I don't know what you call yeah. it. Ballroom? Yeah, well, you get the ballroom mm-hmm. for sure, but that room where. Jack ultimately is doing a lot of his writing. Yeah. I don't know what to call it. It's like a lounge, I guess. Yeah, I know there was like a specific name for it, but I can't quite remember. I don't know if it was like the Arizona room or something like that. Oh, yeah, it had something like that, right? Like it was some Native American. Yeah, because she says, oh, are those like actual Indian things? He goes, yeah, they had like a Navajo person come and design it or something like that. But. You're right. Then it was like after a state. It was like, oh, this is our yeah. Nevada room or something like yeah. to that effect. But yeah, you, you get kind of the main big areas, the big set pieces that we're going to be encountering throughout this film, which is really cool. And it ultimately kind of ends at the kitchen where we meet the head cook, Scatman Carruthers, um, who is super nice. I love the way he's, especially how he's playing off Danny in this sequence. Like he's just, he's just like this nice fucking guy but you also see that that he can talk to Danny without anything but his mind and Danny's like the fuck and Scatman over here is picking up that they call him Doc and stuff before you get this whole scene where uh, he's like what what kind of ice cream you like Doc and stuff like that and Wendy's like how do you know we call him that and he's like uh, I must have heard you say it and she's like <laughs> I don't know I didn't say that and he's like I'm sure you did. Anyway, let's go get some ice cream. Like, let's go look at, you know, he just, just kind of brushes it off. And I love how they take this whole sequence. And then once uh, the manager takes Jack and Wendy away to go look at something else, he, he borrows her. Um, and Danny stays with, with Scatman Crothers and he's just like, let's eat ice cream. And I love, I love the ice cream, like, shot the sequence here because like it goes from this like friendly guy to where he's like I'm gonna have a very serious conversation with this child and like he does it like this is how you should talk to kids man he's not pushy he's not like you need to tell me he's just like (laughs) subtly like asking questions just kind of going with it until eventually Danny actually opens up to him I, I just love that dynamic there and he's just Danny's like, what's in room? What what's the room? What's room two thirty seven or something mm-hmm. like that? And he's like, why are you afraid of it? Yeah, and he's like, why are you afraid of two thirty seven? And he's immediately defensive. Like this kid just made this man go on the defensive. He's like, I'm not scared of nothing in this hotel. And he's like, but are you though? <laughs> like, <laughs> you get kind of uh, we start layering. This is where the movie I think starts layering, to me anyway. Speaking of slow burns. It starts layering that stress, that strain, because you get started where you see, like, you hear that Jack, you know, hurt his kid. He had a drinking problem. Um, You get kind of that tense, very remote drive out to the middle of nowhere. And then now 
you're getting a layer of like, hey, there's something wrong with this hotel. Like a lot of bad, and we'll find out later, weird ass shit happened in this hotel over just a lifetime. And some of that has kind of uh, left a scar in the hotel and the <laughs> but anyway, we, we continue on our, our movie here. Now that we've kind of established who everybody is, where they are, and kind of the stakes, I guess, if you want to call it that. Yeah. So Danny starts, after his talk with uh, Scatman, he starts having these, like, frightening visions and also seeing some of the ghosts so like seeing the two or the twins, Ugh, the twins. Um, who we later find out Play was us, the children yeah. of the last caretaker Grady who murdered his entire family Yeah, and we also see on the other hand how Jack's mind is just deteriorating mm-hmm. like he seems okay, but we know that he was kind of on a loose, like it was kind of a loose thread already, and it just seems like it's getting worse, like from right. day one. Um, like especially with his like temper and everything like that, and Wendy, of course, trying to hold everything, t- like keep it all together. Right. Um. So and trying to find things to do with like her son, keep her or keep him, I guess, like, um, active and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's just not he's basically not able to come up with anything for his like book and you can see that it's putting a strain on the family and then also with Danny learning more about the hotel and realizing that like it is a bad place and they shouldn't be there. Yeah. So, I have a question for you guys. Speaking of of Wendy and Jack specifically, something I noticed on this rewatch. There's a very specific scene where Jack is writing and he's having a lot of trouble. And Wendy walks in, and I think she asks him, like, if he wants a sandwich or something. Like, she brings him food or asks mm-hmm. if he wants something. And he just explodes on her. Yeah. Like, he's, like, ready. He's like, when I'm in here, like, I'm working. Leave me alone. Don't come in. Da, 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 da. And um, she just responds very, like, okay. Like, maybe I'll come back later and I'll read something. Have fun. And just, like... Like, like whatever. And I feel like at other points in the movie, when he does kind of get that edge, she's either completely dismissive and not paying attention to it, or there's, like, that, like, a bit of concern here or whatever. Like, let's defuse this situation, right? Or she'll, like, turn to Danny and be like, let's go do... Let's Mm -hmm. go run around in the the maze or something. Yeah. Something we know... we, We were talking... Amber and I were talking about when we were watching it is the way Kubrick shot that particular scene is it almost feels like, like, Cayman, if I pointed a camera at you and I said, say your lines, and then you said your lines, I said, cut. And then I pointed the camera at Allie and I said, Cayman, go take a break. And I said, Allie, say your lines. And, like, we just kept doing it because it almost looks like they're not talking to each other, which, like, they're just talking to the camera, to you. And I mean, like, maybe they were in the same room, but I know this movie is, like, infamous for its, like, 127 takes, you know, <laughs> to get shit right, you know. Like, famously, like, Kubrick tortured Duvall on this movie and all that stuff. Um, but it makes me kind of wonder if that was 
maybe a choice to show that kind of disconnect that was growing in the film because it definitely doesn't feel like they're talking to each other but it also makes me wonder that with all the illusion in this movie is that Wendy even real or is it just the hotel pushing Jack another step further that's a really interesting thought. Uh, for that scene, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm inclined to still think that that's um, that's actually Wendy, because uh, because we always see her playing like kind of the peacemaker mm-hmm. or p- peacemaker role of like trying to hold together like this like really abusive dysfunctional family because Jack is so unhinged. Oh yeah, um, and and has been prone to violence before. But I do love the idea of like of the hotel itself you know using his weakness like like you know his kind of hatred for his family and his dismissiveness of them and like like you know just adding fuel to the fire right to, to push him further into madness so I, I don't i don't think it was it was uh you know the hotel working its evil magic um <laughs> but i don't think it's out of the question like i like that as as, as a thought yeah um yeah and i i i i think that uh that by having them shoot so many scenes so many times, I think that if it seems like they're very disconnected from each other, I definitely think that's like an intentional decision to show them really being in separate worlds. You know, as Jack is going mad, he's really delving into this world of his own madness and succumbing to his own inner demons. Yeah. Um, and by showing him totally disconnected like that, like flying into a rage, but like almost like they're they're not even having the same tone of conversation helps exactly it's descent yeah that's exactly how i because i'm like it's almost like these two people aren't even saying this they're not saying to me whatever wendy hears is not what we're seeing and i feel like maybe jack is just hearing what she is saying because i like to think it's like like if i was really stressed out and Amber, you came in and you were just nonstop bubbly. And I'm like, I'm really stressed. Can you please leave me alone? And you're like, okay, I'll come back later. I'll be like, you didn't listen to a damn thing I just said. Like, leave me alone. Like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, I could see like that. I could feel that like level of frustration where it's like when someone is like, they're bothering you and you try to explain they're bothering you. And then like, they just don't. They clearly are just like, whatever. Okay, cool. And just like leaves. It's like, you know, you feel like now you're being ignored. And I will point out that this is definitely, like, as the movie goes on, and I think this is maybe the result of the constant shooting more than anything, like, this kind of, between Jack and Wendy in particular, it, it like, the camera definitely switches back and forth. Like, I don't know how many more times the, in the rest of the movie we actually get them in the same frame together. Because even later with the bat and the staircase and stuff, the only time they're in the same frame is when he falls down. It cuts back and forth, which I thought was really weird. Now that I'm, like, you know, looking at it from, like, watching it for, like, the eighth time. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I don't have to pay attention to the plot anymore. But, Allie, what do you think of of that thought or or in general? I think Cayman put it really well. Like, um, I had kind of just chalked that up to the like that kind of being the normal dynamic of their relationship where like Jack is really aggressive and Wendy's like okay well I'll just because she's like a very meek character and Mm -hmm. she's like okay well I'll just go over here bye like yeah um but I that's an interesting thought that you had I I never thought about that yeah I guess to me it just was because Wendy is so 
meek, like you said. Like, she's very, like... She always hit me throughout the rest of the movie. It's like, if Jack gets, you know, grades on her, she's just, like, kind of backs off and isn't, like, happy. Like, she's just like, okay, like, that's fine. Like, you know, whatever. In this case, she's like, okay, I'll be back later. And I'm just like, what? Like, you're very, like, bubbly. What is, what's going on here, you know? And then later... You know, when, when Danny's like, I'm going to get my fire truck. She's like, no, like, just straight up don't. Like, don't even mess with it. You know, that kind of thing. Amber, do you think anything of this theory, or am I just out to dry here? No, I, I think you're right. Um, I think especially, like, with the incident, this is where it kind of takes off after the, such a long exposition of just, like, setting up everything. But I think after the incident in room 237 with Danny Mm -hmm. and where she's actually hysterical, like this is the first time we actually see her like exhibiting any emotion because like we all said, she's a pretty meek person when it comes to like um, Jack kind of shitting on her basically. But, you know, she's running up to him and she's like, oh my gosh, like he has bruises all over his neck and like somebody is in the hotel and he's just like, are you out of your goddamn mind? Like it's just like, yeah, like just seeing, even then it's just seeing like not only like him, just that whole like incident, how he's just like so far removed. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't even care about his son. But yeah, just like, I don't know. It's just seeing these two people's like, not only having like the frame separating them, but also like the like just the whole situation. Yeah. Like they're in two different worlds. Yeah, and I think I think that's another interesting bit that you kind of point out is I'm I'm actually wrong. Like it's not the only time that we see them together is on the stairs. Any time we're shown anything from Danny's perspective, we're shown the two of them in the same frame. Mm, so yeah. like in the senior talk, because I think it's. Is it right after this one where she after they kind of he like shouts at her that Danny? So at this point, Danny has been just roaming around the hotel. Mm-hmm. He sees the creepy twins who want him to play with them forever. <laughs> um, he gets freaked out. He keeps seeing weird shit, and eventually he sees the evil room two thirty seven. The door is just open. Yeah. Um, I love. I I have to say I love him like riding that big wheel around the hotel. I mean. Uh, I I think I don't remember if it was when you and I watched uh, 2001 maybe I like stumbled upon I guess there's like or maybe it was Clockwork Orange I don't remember like the wheelchair in Clockwork Orange is the same wheelchair go back and check out our episode on Clockwork Orange I don't remember but like the wheelchair from from Clockwork Orange right Mm mm-hmm is the same wheelchair that I guess they used in this movie <laughs> to like follow Danny around with the camera to like get the the big wheel shot and I was like that's cool because it's such a cool looking like just following this kid like going hard <laughs> down the hallway and I'm like man I'm a grown man I want to I want to ride a big wheel down a hotel an abandoned hotel hallway it looks fun as shit um but yeah he goes into room 237 and then we get this whole sequence of them arguing and whatever or of Jack arguing and Wendy being cool and then uh, Danny comes in with that that Apollo 11 sweater uh, somebody made I guess Wendy was like oh boy space here's a sweater you know whatever Um, 10 years later and so uh, he comes in the sweater's like ripped he's got like bruises on his neck 
or whatever. And, uh, you know, Wendy's like, oh, let's leave your dad alone. And, yeah, like Amber said, she's freaking the fuck out. And she just immediately thinks Jack did it. Like, mm-hmm. without a, without really thinking too much, she's just like, oh, my God, you did this. Like, this was you. And, like, runs away with Danny. And Jack is just like, hello, huh? What? Yeah, like, he seems super spacey. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, he seems like he's on drugs. Yeah. Like, he's like, uh, uh, Up until, like, I guess Danny does tell her there's, like, an old woman yeah, in somebody, there. Yeah, somebody, somebody Yeah, there's somebody him. in there. And he, like, that's what I was saying. He, like, snaps out of it almost. Yeah. Like, he's, like, slowly being taken over by, Which, well, yeah. well, prior to the whole, oh, somebody heard him, though, you get that, the the bar scene. Mm, where yeah. he goes into the bar because they explicitly say there's no alcohol on the premises because of insurance reasons. Yeah. Um, and Jack is like, oh, I would give my soul for a drink. And it's just kind of like the devil was like, oh, would you now? Like, then the mm-hmm. bartender just appears and is mm-hmm. like, hey, Mr. Torrance, uh, yeah. thirsty? Like, Lloyd is so creepy. Lloyd I don't know if you guys as felt as the same Lloyd. way, but I was like, Lloyd the bartender is creepy as fuck. <laughs> yes, I thought Lloyd was scary as shit. Uh, if Lloyd was my bartender, I wouldn't drink anything that he gave me. Like, that just... <laughs> that's a bartender I feel like is putting things in drinks that I don't want him to be putting in there. Yeah. Um, but yes, Jack... Jack breaks his breaks his sobriety and he drinks. I guess he drinks. I mean, this is where it starts to get really funky, right, guys? Like, is he actually drinking anything, or is this all just a complete hallucination? I don't. Uh, I don't yeah, I don't think he was actually drinking anything. But really, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He was giving into his his demons, yeah. and in mm-hmm. his mind, he was he was committing to the evil within him. Um, so whether or not there was there was any any whiskey in that cup, he was still yeah. Uh, like like in his reality, he was committing to that. Right. So whether or not he had a, a drop of uh, of booze in his system, it was the uh, it was the the point where he he teetered off where where that hair trigger was finally pulled and he had the complete breakdown. And it is so. I love Nicholson's performance. I've never seen a man enjoy a glass of whiskey so much more than this guy in this one sip. Like, just to speak to what you said, Cayman, of like the hair trigger kind of being pulled here. It's not, and I think it's to the credit of this movie, it's not a bang. Like, it's not a, oh, fuck, like, now everything's off the rails. It's like, it's not like the thing 2011 where it's like, dial it to 100 now, guys, because we're cranking it out. It's this like release into it. It's like you just you just sunk into a nice hot tub, and you're just like, ah, that's good. Except it's not good. You're now a psychopath, and you're gonna kill your family. <laughs> but that's what happens. And I think it's great the way like from that moment where he takes a sip, it's like, all right, we're done. Like, it, let's go. Let's let's get this going. And you get his own like little rants about like I'd never hurt him, and she thinks I would beat the shit out of him all. Like he. He kind of lays out the way he feels on the table, which I think is interesting because it sort of shows that his frustrations aren't just like, I'm a shitbag and I hate my family. It's kind of just like, I fucked up and I'm never not reminded of that fuck up. And like, no matter what I do, I'm always going to be reminded of it. And instead of just kind of like living with this and accepting that it happened, he's more mad that people keep reminding him as Mm -hmm. opposed to trying to be a better person. And 
there you go. You get you get Jack finally like, why should I even bother being better? Like, fuck this shit. And then yeah, we get yeah. we get we get Wendy being like, oh no, Danny said there's someone in the hotel, and that's where he's just like, the fuck are you talking about? Like what? <laughs> I guess I should say, rather than pulling the hair trigger, that that moment right there was a critical domino falling in like a Rude Goldberg machine. Absolutely, <laughs> like, like that was that was the point where, at, at least for his his crazy reality, he he was in. There was absolutely no turning back. For sure, Allie, what do you th- what do you make of the first bar sequence here? Again, I I kind of feel like Cayman just like <laughs> took the words out of my mouth. I get to talk first next time. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like he he's like making the decision to have alcohol. Like Cayman said, whether or not it's actually he's actually consuming it, he's like still making that decision, right. and he knows that he gets violent when he drinks. So it's him. Like, doesn't he say something like? It's been like five miserable months on the wagon or yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, something to that effect. Which yeah. is shockingly less time than I thought. Like the movie know, makes too. it sound like it's been years. Mm-hmm. No. It's, it's, and you know, that might just be though, like, cause she's like, he hasn't had a drop since. That's just what she's seen. Maybe that didn't happen. Maybe, maybe he has drank since then and he's just like, oh, no. Nah. Like he slipped up already one or two times. I don't know. Doesn't need to know, but yeah. Oh, so like Wendy thinks he's been sober mm-hmm. for like a couple years or so, but he, for him it's actually only five months. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think would add. It's definitely not needed in this movie. I don't think this movie needs any more. It's just like it'd be interesting if that was the case. Like, kind of to show that he already did fuck up, but he's not telling anybody he fucked up. Like, he's trying, but not exactly succeeding. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know, Amber. How'd you feel about the bar? the bar scene uh yeah like i think based on everything that we said <laughs> um i do believe like he's not actually drinking anything mm-hmm. um this is sort of like him kind of descending into like madness and then hallucinating um as a result of like this hotel like being somewhat like alive yeah and basically like recreating not recreating but creating all of these like things that aren't really there mm-hmm. um and kind of taking advantage of him too because yeah. he's already kind of like at this point we already kind of know that jack is like a rotten person mm-hmm. and that's very easy to like manipulate versus like someone who's actually good right yeah i also i like how this movie uses time and I'll talk more about it at the end. Um, but I do like how at the beginning of this movie, like, you know, it starts off where he goes to the hotel and then they, they all go to the hotel. And then you start getting the time cards. So it's like, I think the first one's like a month later and then it's like a week later. Mm-hmm. And then I think by the time the movie's over, it's going like Tuesday and then it's like Monday mo- or like Sunday morning and then Sunday afternoon. And then it's like, okay, you know, the next day is kind of where it all ends. Like you get the time starts shortening as the movie goes on to where you're not doing yeah. big jumps. I love it. Yeah, and that adds to such a, like, you know that it's kind of almost counting down to something. Mm-hmm. So even it's not literally counting down, but you know that, like, once the pacing starts to speed up and it goes from a month jump to, like, 
uh, an hour or so and you're like, oh shit, yeah. like this is it, something's gonna happen. I think it's interesting too because the way it's set up is like, it's almost like as the viewer, right? Okay, nothing fucking happened for a month and then shit just starts happening constantly enough to where you have minutes and hours of time between jumps as opposed to just like a month of nothing happening. But um, yeah, we kind of, it's where everything starts to go really to shit. Uh, Wendy's like, hey, there's somebody in the room. And Jack's like, fuck, fine. Goes off and goes to check it out. You get his creepy, weird, nasty corpse make-out thing. Um, yeah. That's weird as fuck. <laughs> I heard that, you nasty. I also want to, like, point out at this point, something, like, I feel like nobody ever touches on this, but... When the woman first appears to Jack as like a young hot lady, he's just like so ready to cheat on his wife. He's like, Absolutely. "All right, here you are. Let's do it." Yeah, it's kind of Jack. You know, he's kind of trash, like you said, Amber. Like he's not a good <laughs> yeah. person. Like, I mean, with alcohol comes other addictions, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, I guess like you're right, Allie. Like he he's ready. Just like there's a naked lady who's ready to go. Yeah, fuck it, whatever. Like, no question. There's no question of, like, why is this woman here? How is this woman here? What is going on? And then kind of like a weird, trippy, you-get-what-you-deserve thing, he, like, opens his eyes in the middle of making out with her, and she's, like, a bloated corpse mm-hmm. and just laughing, like this old woman laughing at him. And she's got all these sores and is, like, deteriorating, and he freaks the fuck out. And then... He goes back to the apartment, and she's like, did you see anything? And he's like, no, there was nothing there. Maybe he did it to himself. And she's like, what? And that's, I said the same thing, like, out loud. I was like, what? Like, how, yeah, like, Cameron, you just did the thing. I'm like, <laughs> how did he, with the sweater, and the, the like, it's all, the kids, they show it to you, it's like, on his shoulder, like, what, what the hell this kid, maybe, like, what the fuck is this kid doing? Like, what, what what the fuck um and so she kind of doesn't really believe him and this is where like she says we should go take our child to a doctor and they're just like he it just jack freaks out again oh it's my job you know you don't want me to succeed we'll just go back to boulder and i'll i think he says like be the janitor or somewhere or something like that like, mm-hmm. he says some kind of you know like job that he thinks he's better than or something like that and he's ranting and raving to her about how he's just getting she's getting in the way and this is kind of that snapping point I think for those two emotionally where she's suddenly like okay like we gotta get the fuck out of here because later as the movie goes on like she's like we're just gonna get in the snow cat we're just gonna fucking leave but then Jack goes and talks to his homies back in 1920 whatever the fuck (laughs) and like they're just like maybe you should correct her said the ghost of the previous caretaker butler man yeah and this is like the second time he goes into the ballroom right and so this time it's full of people yes which is like really interesting but yeah he has that conversation with like grady who's just who spills like some wine or something on him and then he realizes which I'm just like, after realizing that Grady used to be the caretaker for the hotel, I thought that would have snapped him back. Like, oh, wait, like, you're the guy that, like, killed his family? 
like what um what well, almost does for a minute because he yeah. kind of is like you're whatever grady like the previous caretaker and yeah. he's like i'm not the caretaker so you're the caretaker like you have always yeah. been. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Oh my god! And he just accepts it. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay. Yeah, but then um, Grady does tell him that. So um, I forget his name. Scat. Scatman Crothers. Scatman. <laughs> his name in the movie is Dick Holleran. Okay, so it's like, uh, he Grady basically warns him that um, his son was able to somehow communicate because we get that scene with uh, Dick where he's just like laying in his bed and he has like a premonition as well. Oh, because so Danny's he, like, hey. yeah, yeah. They yeah. both have, yeah. They both like connect basically, or like, yeah basically connect to each other and so he warns Grady warns him that hey this guy is like on his way and yeah. you need to basically like get rid of him yeah, he and warns him with family. the shinin yeah yeah you've got the shinin you mean shining Shh. you want to get sued and so this is like where he goes like full-blown crazy oh, which by the way Danny's superpower quirk thing is called uh, it's called the shining that's the title of this <laughs> Scatman tells him that earlier uh, it's a little weird, but yeah, yeah. So Scatman is in is in his erotic art filled home in Miami. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I always forget about that. It really is erotic art filled. The obscene amount you spend on erotic art. Easy there. That's an original. It, and it's weird, right? Because it's like both filled and exclusively that. Because I think the first shot we see is like him watching TV, and above his TV is just this naked woman with a huge afro. It's like a portrait of her. And that's the only art on that wall. And then the camera turns to Scatman laying in bed. And above him is another different portrait of the same flavor um, above his bed. And that's it. That's the only art in, in the room. There's nothing else there. It's not like he has a picture of a beach or something, too. It's like, nope, there's just a couple framed pictures of naked women. likes. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, but he tries to call the Overlook, and the phone lines are dead, which we got an establishing thing about that earlier. Uh, they have a radio at the hotel as well, so it's no big deal. Uh, so he calls the ranger station. They're trying to call in. And just, like, you know, doing... He's like, oh, thank you for checking up on them. And he's getting worried because there's a big snowstorm coming in and all that good shit. And then, yeah, Jack is warned by the ghosts that Danny is trying to call uh, Scatman in. It's a rather unnecessarily racist scene, in my opinion, yeah. but it's there. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's... Like, I get it, because it's supposed to be the 20s But he says all, it twice, and I'm just like... Yeah. Like, he repeats it, and I'm just like... Okay, I think he heard you the first time. You're the only two in the bathroom. Right. Like, <laughs> well, it's just strange. It's almost... It, I mean, it... He could have said yeah. the cook because they, yeah. they made introductions at the beginning of the movie, but... Well, like, for a minute, I'm like, okay, I guess I kind of get it because it's like the 20s yeah. and he's supposed to be like, hey, look how shitty this guy is. But they just kind of keep going with it and I'm like, this is weird. Like, why are we... <laughs> 
trying to get mileage out of this here. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what are we doing? Like, okay, fine. Well, whatever. Let's just move on, please. And it never, it's not like there were any other point in the movie where this type of tone is had. It's yeah. just strange. Also, that bathroom. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> it's so bright red. It drives me nuts. That bathroom's iconic. Oh, my God. I do wonder what his, like, what was the intention of including just like that slur I don't know yeah I wonder that too because I'm like you know it's like it it to me it's kind of like is it the Tarantino excuse of it being a period <laughs> piece or is it like supposed to frame them both as shitty people like I, I don't know it's just an odd decision in my opinion but whatever it, it's there and is done but yeah, that bathroom is nuts. It's a bright red bathroom that I would feel very stressed out to pee in, um, <laughs> like without a doubt. And so here we are at the climax of the film. Amber, if you will, take it away. Yeah, so after Jack has that scene in the ballroom with the bartender and then with the previous caretaker, Grady, and he decides to... Wipe out, yeah, yeah, correct his <laughs> wife and son, which is like so weird, but yeah, basically, like, mm-hmm. wipe them out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wendy is you know looking for Jack and she has like her baseball bat with her, and this part, like, you could like the thumping, like, almost like kind of like. It had that, like, I don't know how to describe it, but, like, sinister, mm. like, music playing. Yeah, yeah. And it just kept getting, like, higher and, and higher. stressful. As she, like, yeah, yeah, more stressful as she got closer to uh, his typewriter. And she looks at this manuscript, which looks like, you know, he actually wrote something. But in reality, it says, like, the same sentence over mm-hmm. and over again. And it's all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And she's just like going through it and like you can see like the anguish like on her face and she's like oh god he's gone crazy. But I love this because it's not like he's just writing line after line after line. Like it's actually formatted as if whatever the hell he was writing is a book. It's so and it's like even got errors in it. Yeah. Like that's the crazy thing is like if you like we actually I think we accidentally paused it so, like, one of us go to the bathroom or something, we were watching it, and it was right on, like, the close-up of the page. And if you're looking at the lines, like, one line's right, and then the next line, he, he misspells, like, dull or mm-hmm. something, and then, like, makes is, like, messed up. And I'm like, this is great, because it gives it that, like, if you were typing on a typewriter, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta go back and fix that later. Like, it's as if he's actually writing a book. Every yeah. time I see that, I think of, like... Can you imagine the poor, like, production design intern that had to be the one to type that all out? (laughs) (laughs) It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. You stupid monkey. You shut up. Like, I'm sure it would have been like, hey, can these just be lines and we'll photocopy them? And Cooper was like, no, we need to make it look like it's a book. It needs to be authentic. Oh, (laughs) jeez. And it's like, no, I want you to redo page 57. Which one's 57? The one that says, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I feel like Kubrick would be the type to, like, even specify where errors 
like need to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, this one looks too clean. Oh. Do it wrong here. <laughs> Line six needs to be wrong. Oh, the spacing on uh, page two hundred and seventy-four doesn't this one like right. A poem like, or a song? Actually, like uh, a song. Make it like a song, not like a poem. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to take the formatting for the Lord of the Rings books, and I want you to just write this line for all of it. <laughs> you know, I feel like everybody on this set was probably tortured, and that just added to the to the movie. Oh yeah, I mean that's the aesthetic tortured. of this movie. Like the scene, the scene where when Jack comes in and is confronting her now, and they're they're fighting. Yeah, that whole like little bickering up the staircase they do what i said earlier where they cut back and forth between each one yeah. as if they're only on their own and at that point i wouldn't be shocked if kubrick was doing it that way like if he was just like no do it again yeah. do it again do yeah. it again and it's only only shelly duvall going up because like the way and she sells it maybe she really is I'm exhausted sure she is. i wouldn't be shocked <laughs> she probably but is. like the way she like just swings the bat in this like that's not how you use a bat like kind of way but it's this like I don't even have the strength to pick this thing up and give you a proper swing like I love it like I love that at the very least whatever's happening here is selling it I feel terrible if she was really tortured that much on set of this film but god damn it didn't make for a good movie and then yeah, she smacks Jack with the. Does she really hit him? I mean, she kind of hits him in the head. Oh right? yeah, yeah, she hits him. And he goes tumbling down the stairs. I I would I would make the argument maybe that like that was on purpose. I mean, of, of course it was on purpose to have her exhausted, but maybe using that take because like like maybe to like show her hesitancy ever attacking her husband who's like just become deranged and like hasn't fully committed to like I gotta kill this guy who's trying to kill me because that's like a difficult mental bridge to go over right you're right you there's like there's like a switch between there i mean a ma- massive switch between like oh this is my husband and like he is not well between like oh shit it's time to kill him Mm-hmm. yeah and i mean even even here it seems less like she actually she almost like an accident right like she's swinging it like get away get away get away and then kind of hits him and he's like whoa and goes down and she kind of realizes what she did and then bolts. And it's almost like a whoops, I didn't mean to do that necessarily, but you made me. And like, this is where that, that break is, right? Like, oh God, I'm in for a pe- I gotta get the fuck out of here because we're on the train now. Like, I hit him. He's gonna come after me. That does raise a question I have for you guys really quick, though. So, this movie is perhaps infamously known for its 127 takes of, of I think it's the Here's Johnny scene. I don't quite remember. But it's, it's one of these things where, you know, Kubrick made Shelley Duvall do it over and over and over and over again to the point of just, like, madness. He's been kind of known for being that guy. I mean, this is not an exception, as other films have, have stories like this, too. Yet, Kubrick has been knocking... You know, he was, like, an auteur, if you will, of these films. I mean, 2001... As far as a plot goes, it's kind of bland, yet that movie is a spectacle. Like, it's wild to watch. Do you guys think it's worth it for the art? Or is it, that's just too fucking far, you didn't need to do that? Amber, let's start with you. I think now it would be considered, like, too far. Well... Yeah, now because there's but a even place. then, there's still movies like 
oh, the one that comes to mind is The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger mm-hmm. and how like he got so into like his character as like the Joker and I think like in an interview he had said that he basically cooped himself up in like a hotel room for like yeah. months and just wrote in a journal yeah just about like how it feels how it would feel to be like Joker and like what like I don't know what I guess his mind would be like and everything and that just kind of drove him you mm-hmm. know not insane but like to a really dark place yeah and like especially recently when a lot of people were like commemorating him it was very sad because like I've seen him in other movies and he's like great and almost like like kind of like lights up the room like has that like yeah but Night's Tale previous episode yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I feel like when you do that when you go into like when you do something for the sake of like oh like having this like great movie or whatever yeah sometimes it can have this like negative effect and I feel like especially now like it probably like pushing someone that far even if they do it to themselves Mm -hmm. like I feel like it wouldn't be okay okay so you're saying that like it's so like you can make a great piece of art you don't have to push it that far yeah and like yeah you just don't you just don't need to go that far to make something good like this wasn't necessary even if it's not like a necessary evil type of thing right yeah okay Allie what about you I think my thoughts are pretty similar but yeah like when you were mentioning Heath Ledger the big thing with that is that that's self-imposed so um, I think there's a significant difference there Um, I don't really have an answer like I'm sorry I know that's kind of a cop out but (laughs) I want to say no it's not okay like from a just like a humanistic point of view no it's not okay at all right but I don't know I this again is like something that I think adds to like almost the lore of The Shining because people always like to be like oh like right like look at the sacrifice that went into like making this and I think that's interesting oh yeah and it's also interesting to be like is it really a sacrifice when the person in control is kind of making you do it. I don't yeah, know if true. It's sacrifice, that's... but but I mean that's what the people say, right? They're like, oh, everyone put in so much effort. And I'm like, I mean, on the one hand, they were getting paid. This is their job, but they don't really have a choice, or they're going to get fired. Like, yeah, and I think especially for Shelley Duvall, it had lasting effects on her for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, she's with her now ex-husband directing everything she's doing in a movie, mm-hmm. and. I mean, that, that's just kind of a recipe for disaster there on its own, let alone what it leaves her with. Cayman, what about you? What are your thoughts on the, is the, is the pain worth it for the art? Man, uh, that, yeah, answering that question is really difficult because I feel like, like, like there's like two like, like ideals in my mind that like, like oppose each other with that. Cause the thing that comes to my mind first and foremost is like workers rights, like, like those people didn't sign up right. for that and were being subjugated to something that they didn't choose to do but like like Kubrick had the power over them to force them to do this cuz like you said otherwise they'd be out of a job and like 
like at the end of the day, even though it's a creative thing, like this is ultimately these people's job. Um, and so there, I think there's a big difference between being sacrificed by someone else and being the sacrificial lamb for for the sake of someone's art <laughs> versus choosing to make the sacrifice yourself and getting in the in the role. Like I think there's a really big difference between you know Duval being essentially like like tortured in a sense against her will versus um, you know like Willem Dafoe and his like method acting. And like like getting like really right, into right. a role and him doing that and him giving everything on his own volition, and so it's like really difficult for I don't know I I don't have a satisfying answer because it's such a great piece of art and like I can't argue and be like that didn't work like we we don't know that other version of, <laughs> like like we don't know non abusive shining, um, and so like we right, don't know right. how good that movie could have been or wouldn't have been like like there's there's no way to know that alternate reality. And as a creative person, like, you know, as a musician, I, I love the idea of give everything you can, you know, pull out all stops to make a really incredible piece of art. You know, at the end of the day, you know, the sacrifice is to make your art better. Um, but ultimately, these things are made by people and they should, like, consent in those things. And, and there's been, like, a lot of friction in the film industry recently. Like, like, like recently there was a huge strike. Yeah. Um, over the mistreatment of people that work in film, it like still persists to this day. And like this, the the filming of this is like a really egregious example. But it's like still standard in in, in um, many aspects of the theater industry. Like you're just expected to like work 12, 14, 15, 16 hours de- days on your feet and have terrible swing shifts. And so I don't know. I think that as important as the art is. Um, I think it's I think it's even more important to like get the consent of the people involved and to not torture them against their their will for it because ultimately at the end of the day like like these people are like they're they're working a job they didn't like sign up to be your art slave yeah um, but it's difficult because we don't we don't know that other version of The Shining like like would you know would the here's Johnny scene have been it, it's so iconic if they took the third or fourth take or the 12th or the 16th, like, like, whereas the line for that is a very blurry one. Right. And on top of that too, I think to make it even more ambiguous, like say, say it is the here's John. I could be, you know, you guys listening, I could be wrong. Correct me on social media if I'm wrong here, but you know, so let's say the 127, the infamous 127 deal is the here's Johnny take just saying that they did 127 takes of that scene doesn't mean they used the 127th right. take. They could have used number 95. They could have used number two or three. Like, what we're seeing is just the final version. It's not everything they did. It's not like the last one's the perfect one. It's just they did it a bunch, and then he got what he felt like was good enough and was able to put it together. So... It might have all been needless. What we saw might have just been a waste because that was the first take. Here's Johnny was first take and we're cool. Like, moving on. Yeah, I feel like it's just so needless, especially with, like, um, certain actors. Like, I think of um, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's very, like, good at what he does. And he usually gets things, like, first take. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which... I feel like in the last movie we watched him with, I can't think of it right now, but it was, yeah, I can't think Hollywood, of it. It wasn't Hollywood, was it? Yeah. Was it? Oh, wow. Yeah, and there was that DiCaprio. one scene, wow. he okay. did it like in one take, and right. like because he's that good at it right. or whatever. 
And I just feel like there's a lot of actors and actresses that are like that, that they're so, they've done this for a really long time Mm -hmm. and they're pretty good at what they do. And it doesn't take that many takes to like get the message across. And I feel like, especially for Jack Nicholson, like an already established actor, like I feel like it, yeah. Like when you say that many takes, like it's just, it's, insane to me like i'm just like would i be okay doing that many takes i'd be like fuck no yeah, i'd be what like point are you rage i'm quitting? done like yeah, i don't yeah. need that you know check or whatever so, no and i think it, you know not to get too deep in the weeds on it but i think something came and you brought up is just like kubrick had the power to make this happen yeah. and i mean at this point you have stanley fucking kubrick making this movie you're doing a movie with this director attached like people will see it in droves oh yeah it's also based on a book by like one of the most famous horror authors ever holy shit that's your that's making you money right there you're you're kind of have that unspoken power dynamic now right because like i'm stanley kubrick and this job is gonna make you a lot of money if you piss me off i can kick you out and you're not gonna get this cash cow and it's kind of like it's more than a job at that point, right? Because like yeah. for us here, we do our job, we get paid. We get paid yeah. more or less whatever we get paid normally. Say for, you know, if you make a big sale or something like that. For them, it's kind of like if you do this job and you put up with all the shit this one job makes you do, you could make a lot of money, but like I can choose being the boss needlessly to make you suffer just because uh, uh, art, you know? Yeah. Uh, something else that comes to mind too is um, I, I think uh, uh, Amber kind of like referenced this and like Shelley Duvall like quit acting after it and, and like it's like a very um, it's like a very destructive process because it's, it's kind of like you know slaughtering your golden goose potentially because if you wear out your you yeah. know, the people working on this then you're, you're ultimately going to you know, destroy great actors and great camera people and great sound people and stuff because the actors were there and 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 dealt with the brunt of that. But there was also some like poor camera guy who recorded that scene 127 times. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it, it, you know the idea of like, man, like what other what other awesome movies could Shelley Duvall have, have been in? Uh, but it, 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 you know, like as to like, oh, why did he do that? You know, something I, I was watching a video about explaining is that he was trying to get them out of that what is this professional actor like on their first take and trying to trying to have them do it over mm-hmm. and over again so they start getting outlandish and weird and exhausted and and cartoonish which we see in a lot of this um you, you oh, know yeah. the, the the characters are so strange and exaggerated and i think there's a lot of things that go into it you know the atmosphere and the way they shot the movie but also like, like they were getting strange and weird cuz like man maybe this weird shit will like <laughs> get us to move on past it right i mean if we didn't get this we wouldn't have gotten jack nicholson as the joker in 89 so <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> new and improved joker products with a new secret ingredient smile <laughs> but that's enough talking about one scene. Hundred for uh, we go. We don't need to talk about one scene for 127 minutes. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, so of course, you know this is the climactic. A lot of chasing, as we've mentioned, the here's Johnny stuff kind of starts up in a. Is that that's 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 what what Shelley Duvall does is she drags him to the freezer or the storage 
kitchen, right? Like the yeah. kitchen thing. Um, locks him in. He's he's yelling at her, and then he's trying to like trick her, and she's like, no. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, so uh, you might want to go check that snow cat in the radio. <laughs> wink, wink. And she's like, uh oh, and grabs. Always ticks me off. She grabs like a carving knife. Right next to that carving knife is like the biggest fuck. It might as well be a machine. <laughs> like it's some kind of like huge sword like knife. And I'm like, take that. You just take the big one. Just take that one. Keep him at arm's length because that thing's fucking huge. But no, takes the carving knife, runs away. Uh, she checks this stuff. Obviously, it's all broken. It's all she, he ripped something out of the the you know snow cat, so yeah. that's not going anywhere. Uh, in the meantime, Scatman Crothers is chugging his way up to the Overlook. She goes to the apartment, gets in with uh, with Danny, and you know Jack communes with the ghost of of greedy greedy gravy i gravy. love that we should call him talks gravy to now. gravy <laughs> and um he's like oh you have to promise us ghosts that you'll kill i mean correct your family and keep being the the the, the groundskeeper or whatever and he's just like okay i will and like they're like cool beans and like open the door for him cuz that's the only way he's getting out of this Goes to open the door. He hobbles out because he like he must have broken his ankle or something. And um, he hobbles out. He, he gets an axe and he's going to hunt him down. And of course he he starts breaking into the the what's it called the bedroom the apartment yeah, that they're but in. But not before red rum. Red rum, yeah. The red rum on the door because is Shelley Duvall asleep? Is that what this? Yeah, is? homegirl passed out. Yeah, man. Which I don't blame her. I don't blame her for that. Yeah, I, I, I'd be pretty fucking tired after all this. That is one of those like you're gonna get the best sleep ever because you're so fucking exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he starts. Ugh, I hate the way he screams it. It's just like that. So I've I've read that the child that played Danny didn't know they were making a horror movie like <laughs> Kubrick went out of his way to be like you're just gonna just do these things you're just making a movie and the kid was like okay and so he kept the blood the gore all of it he kept him away from all the nastiness oh. and so what you that's why you get Danny very isolated you never actually like see him say interact with the old lady in the bathroom or anything like that he's just scared and then doing his own thing so it bothers me that much more that this kid's personal choice to scream red rum while his mother is asleep haunts my fucking dreams. <laughs> Just like it's like red rum, red rum. Like it's like it's like Kubrick's direction was like, imagine you're gonna throw up, but you need to say red rum for some reason. And he was like, weird choice, but okay. <laughs> and he just starts screaming it at her. And it takes her so long to wake up. It takes so the scene just bothers me. It just bugs the fucking <laughs> shit out of me. And I, I I can't stand it in the best ways. But it's like, she gets up. She's like, what? What are you? What's going on? And then his, this kid, man, maybe they they ADR'd it and it's some voice actor or something. But like, they slide his voice back to normal while he's yelling so cleanly. Red rum. Woo! Red rum. Red rum. Red Room! Red Room! Over there! I am impressed by this child. 
Because he's like, red rum, red rum, red rum. And it's this nice, clean, like, move. And she, like, looks in the mirror, sees that it says murder. And she's like, oh, my God. And, you know, that's when Jack starts at the door. And they go in the bathroom. She's trying to get the window open. Can't get it open enough for her. But she can get Danny out. You get the, the, the cinematic classic scene of he smashes the window or the door open and it's like here's Johnny and that iconic scream of Shelley Duvall as she's holding the knife um you know I, I think before that though is, is we Amber you and I were talking about this <laughs> he like smashes the apartment door open and he unlocks he like looks through and for some reason I like this more than here's Johnny but just the way Jack Nicholson says, Wendy, I'm home. I love that part And like too. opens the door. It's so <laughs> great. I love, like speaking to your point, Cayman, about that like absurdity level. Like that to me is like, he's in a cartoon fairyland. He's <laughs> fucking gone. And it's, it's great. I love it. He just says it in the most like sitcom-esque way possible and unlocks the door and just like proudly marches in and then, the other stuff happens, um, and then you get. Uh, I think this is where Scatman arrives, right? And uh, Jack's like, "Oh shit, no!" Goes down, and unfortunately, the good Scatman does not survive this film. Uh, he gets killed, and Danny sees it with his shinin. Um. <laughs> yeah, and Danny also screams, so yeah. that kind of alerts um, Jack mm-hmm. to. Um, to like the kitchen I guess yeah that's where he's like hiding and so he sees Danny like running and chases him to the infamous maze outside I don't see how that's fun (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not especially like when it's dark and everything because they say it takes like a couple of hours so make sure you have a couple of hours to like get through and everything and I'm just like that would be like scary to me I don't know why it's... I can see why a maze would be enjoyable, but I feel like a maze is only enjoyable to me personally from, like, the top down. Like, I'm, like, trying to work it out. If I'm in it, I'm just like, I'm lost and I'm going to die in here. <laughs> mazes are awesome. earlier in the... I love big mazes, like corn mazes, hedge Have mazes. you been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, corn maze, no. Yeah, I went to a giant corn maze, like, for, like... I don't know, I was, like, 13, and... Uh, um, it's also really great because I, I wore the most appropriate shirt that I could have uh, unintentionally. Uh, I don't know if you remember the surf brand Lost. That was the shirt I chose to wear that day. <laughs> um, and uh, I did a corn maze, and it, it was it was awesome. It was so big, and like like you couldn't you know, like I couldn't see over the hedges, so or the corns. It wasn't it, um, not hedges. Yeah, uh, it, the stalks. Yeah, it was cool. Like I was I was properly lost. Um, and then Allie and I did one like, I don't know, like almost a year ago, a hedge maze. Um, and it was a good bit smaller, but still fun. I, I like the, uh, I like physically being in a maze. I mean, top down's cool, but like, like you're never doing a top down maze and you're like, oh shit, I'm lost. You're just like, I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to, I want to also point out, I don't know if you remember this came in, but what, so my best friend Vicky is also obsessed with horror movies and the second we got into that hedge maze, she started like following me around and being like, "Danny!" <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about. See, that. now that's enjoyable. <laughs> I get behind that. I guess it's. I can't say I've ever done a hedge maze, so maybe I would feel 
differently were I in one either corn-based or otherwise. But, like, I guess my fear is, like, the map's at the front. So I guess I'd have to either take a picture with my phone or wing it, like, like the olden days. You go through. But, like, one, we see earlier in the film is is Danny and, and, and Wendy go through, and they get to the middle. And she's like, isn't it so pretty? And, like, later we're shown, like, eh. Like, it's a couple benches. Like, there's not, like, flowers. Like, I was expecting, like, oh, there's going to be, like, this is where the roses are or something like that. It's like, eh, it's just some flowers. Okay, it's just benches, I guess. It doesn't feel rewarding. It's not like in Harry Potter when they get the, the fucking cup. And they're like, yeah, complete the maze. I'm like, yeah, that's how you do it. You complete the maze, you get a cup. But, like, I guess I'd have to try it. Like, I'd be open to trying it for sure. But it's definitely one of those things that's, like, weird. Yeah, I definitely would be more into mazes if there was, like, a guaranteed, like, magical goblet or even, like, a sphinx. Like, like a la, you know, the, the written version of that of that story. Right, like, right. Like, if, if there was guaranteed magic in, like, big mazes... Yeah, be there all the time. But as it is, even even if it was just even if it was just magic that poofed me back to the beginning, that'd be cool. Like that'd be cool enough. Like I don't have to do the effort of getting out. Like it just like go to the end. I touch the cup or, or answer the Sphinx riddle and just I'm back to the front. But don't like, you get oh. eaten by the Sphinx if you don't answer the? Well, I don't know. We don't need to. I don't know much about Sphinx. Or I don't. They just. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. remember. I, don't know, I have this weird fear of like turning corners and something being like right there. I thought you were going to end it there. <laughs> like, I have this weird fear of turning corners. It's a problem I had since I was a baby. I can't turn left. I just don't do it. <laughs> I go in a straight line until I'm in the open. And then Amber is walking around. the straight and narrow path. Emphasis on straight. <laughs> Are you afraid you're going to turn oh, look, the corner gonna... and there's going to be two little girls standing there? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Play with Especially us in the corn in maze. maze forever, Amber. <laughs> <laughs> Just hard cut to Amber's face, like, in shock. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Scatman's dad, Danny, leads his father into the corn maze and uh, jukes him. This is brilliant on Danny's part, in my opinion. He, he like, kind of stops, and he's like, let's be smart about this. He goes around a corner... And then hit this smart little bugger starts stepping in his own footprints as he goes back because now he knows he knows where he's supposed mm-hmm. to go in the maze, right? Which is great setup on on Kubrick's part because like when you're watching this movie and you see them go through the maze, you kind of are like, why am I watching this? Like, who cares? And like later it comes, you know, the Chekhov's gun gets shot, um, and he like he knows the maze, so he backtracks and he hides. Jack goes running by and he's like, Daddy! Like, I just want to talk. And like comes around the corner and just keeps going and he's lost in this maze. Danny gets back with Wendy. They just take uh, Scatman Crothers' snow cat and just fuck the hell off. You get that quick cut to the next day where Jack Nicholson is frozen, that great, like, cross-eyed... It goes, again, Kevin, you kind of hit it with the cartoonishness, right? Like, he's just sitting there with his eyes crossed, like, in the snow with, like, the the lower lower underbite thing going on. And then it's just like, da-da! I, I love that shot so much. It's a great shot. And if I could uh, 
uh, if I could reach really far, um, maybe him like him like freezing to death is um, is like like maybe that's like a reference to Dante's Inferno in the deepest circle of hell reserved for those who betray the people closest to themselves. Anyway, big reach. It was, Whoa. but, but, maybe. Ooh, that is a big reach. I like it. Uh, I dig it. I dig it too because I have no, re- it's, it's either a big enough reach to where there's not enough to support it to argue anything. <laughs> you're just wrong. Or it's a big enough reach that's so perfect. It's just like you hit the nail on the head. I have nothing to, to dispute that with. I think it works because that's kind of what it builds to, right? You, you choose, he's choosing himself his duty, his job, whatever he wants to call it. But at the end of the day, he's choosing him over his wife and son. But no longer a big reach. In fact, now it's a confident opinion. Uh, and, and anybody <laughs> anybody who disagrees with me, come argue with me. My username on everything is the Cayman. Come fight me. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, Cayman's going to get a lot of messages. Yeah, Cayman's going to get all the hate mail. <laughs> do it, do it. I'll, 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 I'll argue with every one of them. If you think I'm wrong, you're wrong. I'll fight you. That is how the world works. That is how the world works. But yes... We get this shot, this this very great and apparently hella deep shot of Jack Nicholson, uh, cross-eyed, underbitten, frozen in the ice, and uh, we get this nice fade to a picture in the I think it's in the ballroom, yeah, or somewhere in the hotel's point of a New Year's is a New Year's Eve party from no, like it's 1920 July 4th, something, 1921. July fourth. Thank you. July 4th, 1921. And we're zooming in on this big group picture. Everybody's having a great time. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom. What? Who's that? Who's that? Is that fucking Jack Nicholson? You've always been the groundskeeper. Pan down. Exactly. Pan down. And you get, like Ali said, uh, Overlook Hotel, July 4th. 1921 and then we just fade into the credits and we roll on into the Doctor Sleep movie which we're not going to talk about here <laughs> but it's not as good but it's fine um, and that's the movie that's the shinin um, <laughs> so guys Allie we'll start with you because Cayman kept stealing your ideas <laughs> um, <laughs> we've talked about it again your number one big fan. Give us some give us some thoughts on the shining after the the reflection and anything you didn't happen to say beforehand. Ooh. Okay. So something that I feel like we kinda touched on, but that I wanted to mention again is the score. And yeah. um something that I noticed is that this movie uses a lot of like um, I don't know if there's, there's a term for it but it's when you have the sound like in sync with the like movements of the characters and like the camera movements um, and okay. like that happens specifically in the scene where Wendy's like swinging the bat at Jack um and it happens mm-hmm. in like a lot of other instances, but 
yeah the score um and just how it's so unsettling and like it's almost not really there's not a lot of music in it it's just a lot of like sounds and i yeah yeah i just love the score um Another. Yeah, I think it has a great a great score before we leave that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has a great score. It. I don't know if there's a name. Cayman, you're the music man here. I don't. I don't know if there's a, if there's a name for what Ali's describing other than that's just how a good movie score is. Because I think of like, if you think of things like Jurassic Park, right, or really anything John Williams has done too. Like you get that, like when when a certain sting hits during a, a song, obviously something on screen is happening, and if you see them recording this, like in behind the scenes things and whatnot, they are watching the movie, like they're scoring it to the movie, or at least used to. I don't know if they do anymore, but you know when you see like Anakin marching off to go kill all the little kids, like they are what like. Williams is standing on the podium watching this scene and cueing with the movie so it fits right. It's not so much like, I mean, I know that like all good scores, you know, are going to flow with the pace of the movie. But the specific thing I'm describing is like, uh, for example, when uh, Wendy swings the bat, every time she swings the bat, there's like a zhoom. Yeah. So it's like that specific kind of, or like there's okay. another another scene where um, Jack is sitting at his typewriter like early in the movie, and there's this kind of like slow building up like string section, mm-hmm. and then he rips the piece of paper out of the typewriter, and all the strings go like. Zhing! Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to explain this without actual audio. <laughs> no, it's totally it's totally understandable. I mean, it's I think yeah, I think it's a great score, and I think it's sort of the sound design of it too, right? Like it's using the music not just as a song, right? Like you're not like Jack's theme, and it's just a buildup of strings, and then sudden like sting when he rips it out, and like that's the song. Like that really wouldn't fit, right? But it's like incorporating the music as the sound design for the film like it's kind of like dune the way they use the same sounds in the like soundtrack as they do in the like audioscape of the film but i think in backwards like this one is using the music almost in the same like as a as a like a supplementary to the sound effects that would be there right so like ripping the paper we still hear him rip the paper but it's augmented because we're also getting this like dissonant string sting the second he does it and then like on with the movie you know it's not a song it's just using the instruments as a part of the sound design and i think i think it's kind of brilliant when now you're pointing out next time i watch i'm going to really pay attention because i always i'm I'm aware of the movie's like score being that build up because it does make you feel stressed like it makes you feel so fucking stressed when it needs to but then other times it's like you don't even know it's there if it is at all, you know? Yeah. It's also like the scene with Jack and that old lady who was like a young lady when he the, first yeah, sees her. Yeah. And it's like, it's not even music. It's just his heart beating mm-hmm. like steadily. But it's so loud. Yeah. Like that's like the only thing that you hear as like the scene is like playing out. Yeah. And, yeah. Totally. Yeah, the score in this is absolutely amazing. And I think it's like a a really good example of 
the best scores and sound designs aren't always very overt in that John Williams sense, but many of the mm-hmm. best uh, scores and sound design moments uh, exist in the moments where they like kind of seep into your subconscious, where you're not thinking like like just how you didn't you 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 didn't watch and think oh that scoring moment yeah. is awesome. You're just in the middle of this tense moment, and and the sound design just just added to that. It just added another layer of depth without. And in no way took you out of the scene. It only enhanced the scene, and that's like a really difficult line to walk. And also, for what it's worth, I don't know the term for that because I don't score <laughs> films. I play punk rock. Um, but that's neither here. Well, you nor never there. know. Maybe you're trying. Maybe maybe one day you'll end up getting tapped to to score the movie with punk rock, and then you have to be cognizant of. God, how you're using the instrumentation of the film. Yes, please, 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 whoever is listening, let me score the spiritual successor to the green room. Please, oh my God, let me do that. <laughs> I need to watch that one. I, I started it, and then I think I like fell asleep, and I, I have no idea what happened. But watch it, watch I, it. I've, won- I've been wanting to watch it. I've heard it's great. It's good, it's great. A couple, just like a couple other things that I really love is so yeah the use of mirrors and patterns like we get the the maze itself is kind of like a big pattern and then of course the iconic carpet pattern um there's also a lot of um like intricately patterned wall hangings and like Native American art on the walls um Mm -hmm. and I think that all kind of like adds to the feel of it being a little bit dreamlike um like to go back to the mirrors they're used so many times in the movie like there's this one shot that I love where Wendy is like she brings Jack like breakfast in bed or something and there's the shot is slowly panning out and you realize that like you're seeing the entire shot through a mirror and then at, mm-hmm. at the end of the shot you see the, the frame of the mirror and a little bit of the scenery around it and I just think that's so brilliant because it's so subtle and it's just showing you that like there are there are kind of other versions of Jack or like maybe what you're right. seeing isn't really what is there in actuality so yeah love the use of mirrors in this movie and then, of course, well, of mean, course, the iconic red rum is is oh, great. Yeah. It's through the mirror. Well, I think you know, to to take it back to literary things, kind of like came in brought up with Dante's Inferno. I mean, this is you're literally like through the looking glass moment, right? Like mm-hmm. you're you're in it. You're there. You're you're Alice going through the whole deal, right? Like you're in this dark, twisted wonderland, and, and to kind of go with your dream sequence stuff or dream not sequence, but kind of vibe. And I think just the aesthetic dissonance of the hotel like the bathroom where uh jack makes out with the corpse bride over there like that is that is just like in such stark contrast to like the warm colors that we see generally throughout the hotel it's suddenly this like harsh green like pastel kind of color like this bathroom is ugly as fuck in my opinion, but like <laughs> it's it's this very like random, just like green, this harsh green color in a sea of oranges and reds and browns, and like 
it's all just this crazy trippy thing because you just literally walk through a door and suddenly you're in there right and even the the way it's designed the set design for that room is weird shit why is the bathroom like an entire level up from the living like what is going on it doesn't make sense like when you look at it it's just weird as shit set design for some of this stuff and it works out great uh amber what what you know we've talked about this movie we've watched it plenty what do you uh final thoughts on this one and then uh you know or not fi- well yeah final thoughts i guess and anything else you know that you're looking at perhaps differently after this whole discussion so i think we've like pretty much covered everything so i don't really have a lot to say like a lot else to like talk about um but like final thoughts yeah i think there's just like a lot to take away from this movie like every time i watch it there's always something Mm -hmm. new that i can like take away from it um and yeah i think just like the setting the music and the dialogues like all of that combined makes like really like one hell of a movie so, I, yeah, that's yeah. actually great. It <laughs> makes one hell of a movie for sure. Yeah, because I, I, it's hard to like compare it to other movies as well. Like that's it's a good so point. yeah, it's so very different. And I think just understanding like how it was made, mm-hmm. like it 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 helps me to understand. Okay, that's why like the actors are acting like in a certain way, or that's why the music is like that. Right. And or that's why the camera is focused, you know, on certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, the great comparison is like comparing it to Doctor Sleep. I think it it, to your to to really everybody's point. I think of the way this was filmed, both the good and the bad. Like you, I I don't know if you guys have seen Doctor Sleep, but we have. It's definitely it's. It's okay, good. Then this isn't a spoiler. I don't need it. Well, for you guys listening, it's a spoiler alert, but you should watch it. If you like this movie, you'll be fine with it. Um, but it's so different. It doesn't feel like this movie at all. Like the parts are there. They're talking about the same thing. They're the same characters, but it's just like, it's just not it. There's like just something about this movie. And how all the pieces, good and bad, came together to create it. That, like, when you're just doing this other sequel film, it's, like, it's fine. And you don't expect it to be like The Shining, but it doesn't quite feel like The Shining either. It feels like a fine horror-esque movie in and of itself. There's nothing wrong with it, I guess. But it's just, like, it's not this. Like, it's, it doesn't... It's almost like it doesn't exist in the same universe as this. It's just, like, some weird alternate shining plot line that just exists in its own realm. But this, I think, definitely is a is, is a hell of a good movie. Like, it's it's unique in the way it feels. And I don't... You know, we, we talked about The Thing earlier this month. And I, I, put, I... Beginning of this episode, I kind of put both of them in the same kind of class. It, they don't feel like each other, though. I think they both feel unique. But, like, this doesn't feel like that there is like a an itch at the back of my mind where it's just stressful um and it's like i you know you don't know why you almost don't know why you know what's coming but you're stressed about it still even after watching it 30 times or something but cayman last but not least and first but not worst um (laughs) 
your your final thoughts, obviously, and if anything's changed in your opinion of this movie. And we'll kick it off with you. Out of ten, what are you rating this movie? And would you suggest it to other people? Quick, why or why not? Okay. Um, Man, between the atmosphere, the strange acting, the score, the set design... The way the movie was shot, every single thing just makes this like absolutely a masterclass in uncanny slow burn horror that's been rarely, if ever, exceeded. Um, you should write this down. This is a review. Yeah, this, this is, is a is great, great review yeah. right there. That, that's. I, I've had a few minutes to think about that, that first <laughs> sentence. Um, and now we're freestyling. Um, yeah, I, I think this movie's amazing. Uh, every time I've watched it, I've loved it for different reasons. When I first watched this, I'd realistically not seen very many good movies at all. And I loved it as someone new to watching cool movies. And I've watched it again multiple times, you know now that I'm more uh, yeah. <clears throat> cultured I suppose um, <laughs> um, and I exposed s- we'll just call it exposed You've been yes exposed yeah I've, I've, I've exposed myself go. a lot of times and uh, uh, <laughs> since being further exposed yeah I, I still love this movie it's 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 just great it hits all of the marks it's awesome um, and um, kind of kind of relevant to a previous conversation if you love the shining, then you'll probably like Doctor Sleep. Agreed. Not really yeah. quite the same. Not the, not the same vibe, uh, because this movie's like really like heavy on like isolation and atmosphere. And Doctor mm-hmm. Sleep changes scenes and is like very uh, a lot of the plot elements are dependent on other people in it. Um, so that although there's yeah. like a, there's like a narrative thread, the uh, vibe of the movie isn't quite the same. But to bring it it's back, it's a much more character-driven movie, I think. Yes, Doctor Sleep, absolutely, and it's and it's kind of, it's much more dependent on character relationships, mm-hmm. um, which is I, I, and yes, character relationships in this were important, but not as important as like as as their isolation and really the lack of relationships outside of these people that they were already with and knew. Um, so they, they were, you know, the characters were individually developing, but it's not, I guess, outside of. Jack's insanity, you know, their their relationship wasn't to be further developed. You know, they weren't to be like further connected. Yeah, it was just that they were changing reaction to what was happening. But to sum it all up, give this movie an easy nine out of ten, maybe a nine and a half. It'd be a perfect ten. Um, but but it, it it is a slow burn movie, which and I think executes that greatly. So maybe just a I don't know a slight notch for. Um, uh, for, for the the human abuses during the movie, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, okay. just a slight ding for that. But yeah, so I'll settle in at a solid nine out of ten. And would you suggest people watch this one? I take it. Yes, absolutely. I think this is a movie that everybody should watch at least one time. If you're going to watch one horror movie ever. It might be this one. I, I needed to give that more thought, but if you're Damn. ever going to be like, do I like horror? Is this is this a genre I could vibe with? Then watch The Shining and go from there. Oof. You know, I, I'll disagree with that, but I think it's only because I like the thing a little bit more. And I feel like it's a bit more accessible, maybe? Because you're right, this movie is a slow burn. Oh, that's fair. Um, we just came off of the thing. I was yeah. trying to think, I was like, what else would I rank, rank up there? Um... <laughs> um yeah, but if you're if the you're interested in 1982, horror, by the way. Yes, 1982, not the 2011. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, 
Uh, so if you're going to watch one horror movie ever, watch one of those two. Allie, big super fan. I think I know what you're going to say, but <laughs> yeah. uh, your, your, your rating out of 10, uh, would you suggest people watch this movie and then why, why not, and so on and so forth? I already suggest this to like everybody. <laughs> um, so yes, clearly I'd recommend it. Um, I am hesitant to give it a 10 because I feel like no movie is perfect, but like in my in my heart it's a 10. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so solid 10 for you the yeah, whole way. Like yeah. I don't know. Maybe like hey, follow follow your heart. Follow your heart okay, here. Okay, okay, we'll go with, we'll go with That's it. That's fine. Um, <laughs> oh, shoot, I was gonna say something else. Oh, no, um, when you guys are like ranking it up there, like oh, if you're gonna watch any horror movie, it would be for me. I would suggest like this one, The Thing, and also The Exorcist. Like those mm, three are all in the same, uh, like the same realm for me. Yeah, they're all up in the upper echelon mm-hmm. of. 70s 80s horror that kind of I don't know I feel like that's where we're trying to get with like the Ari Aster films and shit like that's what we're I think that's what or him and like Jordan Peele like that's what we're going for now we're trying to get back to that like all right Jason and Freddy and Ghostface had their day like it's let's get back to something a little meatier yeah extra question for you Allie You've been with us. I'm just realizing you've been with us the whole the whole month here mm-hmm. of our just too damn cold January, where we did watch the thing, 1982, the thing, 2011, and this movie. If you had to rank them one, two, three, uh, what what are you? What is your ranking here? Uh, I think it's pretty easy to guess. Number one, yeah. The Shining. Number two, The Thing. Twenty. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, 1982. <laughs> and then the thing, 2011. Yeah. Fair. Um, Amber. Yep. On to you. Same three questions, because you've been here the whole time, too. So, Hello. yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, okay. I got I got record of it, so, so you were here. Um, <laughs> out of 10, what's The Shining getting? Would you suggest people watch it? Why, why not? And then... Uh, what do you rank in the movies for the month? So I give this one like a nine and a half out of ten because I think for the thing I said like well the nineteen eighty two version I you said slapped 10 out a 10. ten on that yeah, bugger yeah because that's like you know in my heart that's like <laughs> 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 that's like my favorite horror movie um, but yeah nine and a half out of ten because it's like really it's really good. But I think I have to agree with Cayman. The human abuse, you know, gets a takes little dinged for a that. Of, yeah. Uh, Kubrick's not getting that one from Beyond the Grave. Yeah. So. Okay. Like, Take that point you. five. He's rolling in his grave, ashamed <laughs> that he. <laughs> well, in my day, it wasn't. <laughs> um, would you suggest people watch it in your rankings? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of people. Especially if you're into horror, like, would really enjoy it. Yeah. And then your rankings for the month? Yeah. Um, my rankings, so it's going to be The Thing, 1982, mm. um, The Shining, and then The Thing, 2011. Okay. So a little bit of a change up in those top two. Uh, personally, I give this movie 
This is really hard. And I, I, I get as I feel like it's going to be rating inflation. It's just going to make people mad. I give people I give this movie like a nine point three. Um, I think it's fantastic film. I think like everyone's been saying, every you, you should watch this movie at least once. I mean, it, it's it's such like Cayman said a master class in really everything it does. Um, that all being said, I think there's some funkiness that perhaps hasn't aged the greatest. That like feels needless. Like we were talking about the bathroom. Uh, you scene know earlier. what? I just thought of um, it. Too late. It's on record. Um, <laughs> <sighs> No, you could change it if you want, but no, it's fine. Yeah, like, um, I mean, like that. It's not so glaring. Like, it's not like other movies. It's, you know, it's no Songs of the South or some shit. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of like, why is this here? Why? Yes. Like, I don't. It doesn't need to be there, um, even for 1980. And then, it, I think it's also the fact that, to me, I can watch something like The Thing, any fucking time. Right. You say, hey, we're going to watch The Thing 1982 tonight. I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm there. Like, let's do this thing. Whereas The Shining, as much as I could rewatch it, I it, it's a movie that I have to be, like, ready to dive into. Because, like, it is a slow burn. And, I mean, there were times when we watched it, even this last time for the rewatch, where I was, like, sitting, leaned over, like, focused on the TV, like, watching it. And it wasn't... Because I'm like, oh, we got to do a podcast on this. I better make sure I pay attention. Like, it was just like, I am engrossed in this film. But I need to, like, I can't be on my phone. I can't be playing video games. I need to be, like, in this movie. Whereas The Thing, I've watched it enough. And I know it well enough to where I can do those other things. Because even though it does, like, so much of that film is also atmosphere. The Shining is almost entirely, like, that stress, that buildup. And if you miss a part of that buildup... Like, the first time I ever tried to watch this movie, I was in, like, Turkey. And it was, like, got like halfway through the movie and then fell asleep. And it was like, oh, let's finish The Shining. And I was like, I I don't, no, nah, I don't want to finish it. Like, I don't care. It's just, you know, you're on, you're going up, and then it's just, eh. Well, I, I accidentally got off too soon, and the whole buildup's gone, and I'll be starting from the middle, and it's all. And I don't want to rewatch it because it's, like, over two hours. But So I think it's a fantastic film brilliant slow burn but it's flaws and aging and of course like everyone's pointed out the uh less than amicable history of some of the behind the scenes stuff i think it lands at 9.3 it's it's fucking beautiful but it's definitely not a perfect perfect deal for sure suggest people watch this i think i think everyone should have to watch this movie i think if you're even thinking about getting into horror this is a movie you need to watch um kind of like gaiman said like I said the same thing about the thing is like this one in the 1982 thing like you need to fucking watch it um if you're gonna be into horror like watch those two and then go into the genre you want from there on out if I had to rank these films obviously I'm putting thing 2011 at the top and the rest can go to hell um (laughs) no it's um uh, it's gonna be the thing and then this movie and then uh the 2011 thing I th- I would not say that like Doctor Sleep is to this movie as the thing is to the thing. I'd say the Doctor Sleep is a little bit better. Yeah. Um, it's definitely better than Thing Twenty Eleven. So, just in case anyone's drawing those parallels with these movie sets that we totally did not plan on doing, like it just kind of padded out. I know we didn't talk about Doctor Sleep, but it came up. Um, 
Go watch that. You don't have to watch the thing 2011. Go watch the 54 movie. You'll be better off. Allie, Cayman, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Really appreciate it every time you guys come on. It's a good time. Thanks for having Hell us. yeah. Thank you guys uh, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Hire Cayman to do your horror movie scores uh, with some punk music. Yes. That would be, do be it. awesome. Do it. I dare you. <laughs> Or I'll fight do you. It. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Do it. You, you, you guys are. You guys don't have the guts. Um, but Amber. Yeah. So next week we're gonna be going into the Star Wars universe. That's right. We are taking the deep dive. We are going over the edge, and we're doing what tons of other podcasts have done before. <laughs> <laughs> we are gonna be marathoning. All of the Star Wars films. And no, we're not doing just, just the Skywalker saga or, <laughs> or skipping the sequels. No, no. We're doing it all. You're going to get the good. You're going to get the bad. And we're starting at one, as apocryphal as it may be for some people. We are going to start at episode one. That is The Phantom Menace. With all its yippies and yahoos and Misa... Misa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but join us next week as we dive into the Star Wars galaxy, universe, whatever you want to call it, with Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Until then, I am one of your hosts, Thomas. I'm Amber. I'm Cayman. I'm Allie. And this is So What Happens Next Small Screens. We'll see you guys next week in a galaxy far, far away. Oh,